Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you'll hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. My name is Jonathan Patience and I'm Head of Publication Development at Taylor & Francis. My background is in the editorial side of medical publishing and I've been involved in initiatives looking at how to better engage non-specialist audiences with published research. I'll be your guest host for today's episode, discussing the important aspects for pharmaceutical companies to consider when seeking to engage with patients in the scientific publication process. My guests today are Catherine Scobie, Senior Director, Publications Innovative Solutions Lead at Pfizer, and Avishek Pal, Global Medical Director, Cell and Gene Therapies at Novartis. The opinions shared by the presenters today are our own and do not represent those of our employers. Welcome to Catherine and Avshek. Thank you for joining me. To get started, please could you tell us a little bit about your current roles and what types of patient engagement initiatives you've been involved in? Uh, Avshek, I'll come to you first. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been in traditionally you know, scientific communication roles for the last 15 years. And earlier this year, I tra- you know, transferred into a pure medical role, global medical role in cell and gene at Novartis primarily looking into scientific engagement and strategy, looking into, of course, you know, key markets providing medical leadership. And uh, as you know, this topic is very close to my heart. Uh, In the past, I've been involved in a lot of these plain language summary standard development initiatives, like the one from PFMD, from the one from ISMAP. And then, of course, uh, when Novartis started this journey a few years ago, uh, I led uh, the development of our plain language summary toolkit, which in a way standardized how we do things within the organization. So thank you for having me. Looking forward to today's discussion. Great. Thanks, Abhishek. Sounds like something you're really passionate about. So Catherine, could I come to you next? Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, I have been co-leading the publications management team at Pfizer for a while, and my current role is around innovative solutions and publications. And so that extends to working with patients. And more recently, some of the work that we've been doing has been the formation of a collaborative board that is comprised of eight patient advocates in various therapeutic areas because the intent is really to learn more about how we can do better in publications from their perspective. Some other initiatives that we have that are more patient-oriented, of course, is around pushing open access publishing and making sure that we try to make our publications and content as accessible as it can be. We've been working with journal publishers such as yourself at Taylor and Francis around trying to find homes for this information and content and trying to understand what are the barriers that they face and how can we overcome those together. And then lastly, really just looking at baseline measurements. Where are we today in open access publishing? Um, Where are we with patient authorship? So that we can continuously hold ourselves accountable for um, making sure that we are trying to progress these initiatives within the organization and understanding you know where we came from and where we're going so that's it in a nutshell brilliant well it sounds like between the two of you it sounds like we've got a great range of experience to come to this discussion with so i'm sure we'll be able to come out of it with some great practical tips for anyone else out looking to uh, follow similar paths so 
Why do you feel that patient engagement in publications is valuable? Catherine, could I come to you first? Sure, absolutely. So obviously, I mean, obvious to me, ultimately, patients are our primary customers. That's the whole intent of the pharmaceutical industry is serving patients and trying to support them and increasing and improving their health care. And so specifically to publications, the data, the research, the content that we're developing is really to help improve patient outcomes. And I think it's important, as I mentioned earlier, is that we need to understand from their perspective why and how we can communicate better by engaging with them. Yeah, it sounds like something that um, you're, you're very passionate about too, and I think uh, it's great to see that shine through. And Avshek, how about you? I think Catherine captured it really nicely. I feel like, you know, we have crossed that stage where publications are purely intended for a scientifically trained audience. So, you know, as we expand our target audience through our publications, I think it's only fair that we involve them in also, you know, the development of these and essentially to bring their voice in the development of these kind of, you know, initiatives. It, it allows us to enable the kind of perspectives they bring in. Uh, they, they can talk, us, talk to us about the relevance. They can talk to us about the utility. So in a way, they shape the content and the shape the material in a way that can be of benefit for them. This is also, I feel, a way to acknowledge their contributions and their benevolence in terms of how they have been very generous with their uh, time and their effort in sharing with the scientific community their experiences. So I think it's fair to have them there. It's a crucial piece in the knowledge transfer process. Yeah, it feels like a really natural evolution of the way things are going. And it's great to see the two of you sort of pioneering in, in that area. I think it really chimes with my own experiences from a publisher perspective, because it seems like the world is increasingly overcome by misinformation. And we're finding that patients are more directly going towards academic sources. And so I think it's important that we have some sort of plain language outputs that are at least one tool to communicate trusted research in a more digestible way. So Thinking about people who would want to partner with patients in publications but don't know where to start, what would be your tips on the first steps to take? Avishek, I'll come to you first. No, thanks, Jonathan, for, for this very important question because there's so much that one can do. Uh, and I think it's only fair to get lost in this, this whole gamut of activities. From my point of view, I think what's important is to have that alignment on purpose and objective up front, the cross-functional team. You know, what is it that we are trying to do? Why we are trying to do it? What would success mean for the whole team? And I think that will set the tone for the next steps. And then, of course, you have, uh, in terms of partnership, it's crucial to identify who uh, could be advocates internally, who could actually have similar values, like, you know, uh, for this initiative, who could have common purpose like this initiative, and then bring them all together. And that's how the cross-functional team comes together. Because that's super important when it comes down to execution so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. For example, there could be a small group within the organization which has some mechanism in place to partner with patients. And you, know, you don't have to start from scratch. Maybe there are rules and regulations that they have come up with. They have done for the battle for you. So why not just to get them on board and try to work through that situation? And then, of course, uh, looking at uh, educating the stakeholders for those who are not part of the initiative directly. I think it's very important to kind of take them along with you because then 
at the end of the day, when we are evaluating success, it's very important that they understand what the purpose was and what the objectives were and what we achieved. And then finally, I would say seeking external validation and input. I think that's super critical. Sometimes we are sitting in an echo chamber. You know, we are talking to each other. We feel like we are doing a great job. You know, our audience understands what we are doing, but perhaps not. So maybe it's a time it's a time to also get some outside in viewpoint to really understand are we doing what we are doing correctly. So these are my few points. Like I said, Jonathan, I'm a bullet points person. So perhaps the top three or four things from me. And perhaps Catherine can add more because she, as part of Pfizer, has been doing a phenomenal job trying to bring more of these initiatives to the forefront. Well, thank you for that segue, Abhishek. I think I'm just going to pick up from where you left off. I loved your important points that you've shared with all of us. I think picking up from there, as you are aware, we as I mentioned earlier, is our collaborative board with patient advocates. And so we started by looking and really trying to hear from the voice of the patient. And so we hosted an advisory board a few years ago where we selected patient advocates, and I can get into that in a little bit, to really hear from them and learn from them where we can improve our practices and get them actually involved in the publication process. With the ultimate goal is having them involved from the end-to-end publication process. And so from there, during that advisory board, we had a patient preference survey. So we asked them about types of format they prefer. And of course, it varies depending on the situation and which audience you are engaging with. But what we decided was this is actually not a one-time thing. It should really be a longer-term initiative because we have so much to learn from them. And so that's how our collaborative board formed. And we currently have eight, eight patient advocates who are involved. And we have developed a three-year strategic plan where we have a longer-term vision of what we want to achieve together, which has been great. And so we're looking at a host of things like authorship pledges, where we are sharing our commitment to involving patients in publications. We're looking at presentations where we can externally and internally share the importance of having that patient voice because that's adding that diversity that's required that even HCPs should hear from them as to what their experience has been. So we want to maintain a longer term relationship with these patient advocates so that as the space evolves, we can have them um, shape the work that we're doing. And often what I'm asked about is maybe in an organization not quite as large as Pfizer, how can other companies do something similar? And so my suggestion has always been survey a patient advocate or several and get their input. I mean, just at least one time to see if you're on the right track and then working with your patient advocacy partners, as you've suggested, Avishek, and seeing where you can tap into their resources to help you identify what um, their involvement could be in your work. So I don't know, Jonathan, I think I'll pass it back to you now. Brilliant. So thank you both for those really useful and practical tips. I can see a couple of themes coming through, especially with the obtaining of internal stakeholder uh, inputs 
and making sure that everyone who needs to be on board is on board, but also the external stakeholders. And, and it's interesting to see that actually you can get uh, patients engaged from square one, really, by reaching out to them, finding out how they feel about the way you're currently approaching things and, and what your plans are. Um, so that's great. How would you identify the right people to take part? Catherine, I'll come to you first. Sure. So I can explain how our collaborative board was formed because I think that would probably resonate with most people in that, as Avishek also mentioned earlier, is tapping into those who work most closely with patients. So within our organization, we obviously have patient advocacy colleagues. And so we reached out to them across various therapeutic areas to identify advocates that they thought would be interested in doing this type of work. And so we invited a few of them, and then through our own, the publications management team, as we've been involved with DIA and ISMAP and other organizations, we met a couple of patient advocates from there. And so we formed our basic smaller group initially, and then we took a look at the membership. And we really wanted to make sure we had diverse representation, and so we noticed that there were certain gaps that we wanted to fill. And then those initial members identified people that they knew from their network. So we were able to bring in other patient advocates from different parts of the country um, who represented different affiliations. And so that was really nice. So we have a very nice mix and we also understand where our current gaps are so that in the future, if we decide or when we decide to expand, we know where the gaps are that we want to fill. So I think using a couple of different ways to get to forming that um, group is um, one nice way to, to approach putting together a collaborative board. So I think um, that's the best advice I have to offer on that. So I don't know, Avishek, I'm sure you probably have a different experience. You covered it beautifully, Catherine. And and I think at the, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I have to say, I think leveraging existing internal experts, those like you mentioned, closest to patient advocacy or engagement, definitely is a time saver, is more efficient. Also, they bring in uh, a lot of these already existing patient experts and panelists who we can leverage, you know, on. Uh, from my experience, also, conferences have played a crucial role in our case where we have these additional engagements with patient organizations directly. And then some of them are interested in partnering with us on these kind of initiatives and activities. And then we count on them to make recommendations on who could be partners with us in such activities. So absolutely, internally and externally, again, identifying these like-minded folks, super important. It sounds like things can really snowball once you get the ball rolling on this. And once you get the, the people involved who are really passionate about this, then they can connect you to the right people and they connect you to more people. And then, you know, it grows into a great, a great initiative. So yeah, it's great to hear about your experiences on it. And how about barriers? Have, have you encountered many barriers on this, um, on this kind of road to setting up patient engagement in this way? Avishak, do you have any, any thoughts on that? <laughs> I could write a book, but <laughs> I'm going to restrict uh, myself today <laughs> to maybe a few top things. And again, none of these are you know, absolute barriers. They can easily be worked around 
you know, the first thing definitely is there's always a perception of wrongdoing, always a perception of off-label promotions. We need to be doubly cautious about how we approach this. And I think this is something that always is challenging in a cross-functional setup where we have colleagues from geographies that are different in terms of legal and compliance setups. So I think that's definitely one uh, barrier that definitely needs discussion before we even get started on such kind of initiatives with uh, patients. Uh, And of course, alongside that, the whole question and ongoing debate on remuneration of patients, you know, for their time, especially if it's authorship on publications, how does that board uh, in terms of ICMJ criteria, GPP and whatnot. So again, that's something that's a complete different discussion. The other aspect which I have often felt could be a challenge is a question on how do we measure success that we spend on such activities? So that is something, again, worth looking into uh, upfront. And uh, then again, are we in a position to really measure tangible benefits from these kind of initiatives? And is it even the purpose of such initiatives? So these kind of questions and discussions come up oftentimes. And then, of course, I've always struggled with this one, which is who's the true voice of patients? Is it the patients themselves? Are these the patient advocates? Is it is it the patient advocacy organizations? You know, how do they how do they all sum up and who's the right or appropriate representative when it comes to these efforts? And I would say, how do we the next one would be how do we standardize what we do across the organization uh, by different teams, different therapy areas, different regional global teams? How do we you know, optimize the standards, the templates, the processes without reinventing the wheel every time. And the final one, the final one is definitely the budget and effort. You know, and that's why I mentioned previously, you know, when we were discussing the other question about, you know, starting up always to know what the purpose is and what the objectives are and what the success measures is. So the cost and the budget requirement would come in, you know, based on those. And I think that could be a challenge. It's not it's probably not as easy to procure budget and easy to prepare these materials or involve patients as we think it is. So I think these are, I would say, my top five. And maybe Catherine, you could add a few more unless I've completely filled the bucket already. So I can just briefly add, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head around budget. And that's how by bringing in at least a small handful of patient advocates to hear from them helps validate the need for including them in the process, which I think helps the buy-up of that within an organization and getting the leadership to understand why there's a clear need for this. Um, I think the other barrier for us really has been finding the right homes for this content. And that's why working with our publisher friends is really important to help convey the importance of finding a trusted peer-reviewed source that we can create all of this content. But realistically, I think people want to hear it from a trusted source of information. And so knowing that it's been peer reviewed and coming through a legitimate publisher is an important piece of the whole process. Okay, so it sounds like uh, it's, it's certainly not an easy route, but it's, it's a route that you can usually find solutions to throughout the work. And I think from learning your experiences, uh, hopefully we can identify those in advance. Um, I think what you've said about 
getting internal stakeholder input from the beginning, it sounds like that's a really key aspect, especially helping with things like standardization and budget and efforts. Um, so it's really great to have your experiences on that. So finally, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. So if you could leave our listeners with one key takeaway to guide them in engaging with patients for their publications, what would it be? Avishak, I'll come to you first. Super. And Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. I think uh, such important points. And again, with someone like Catherine on the line, you on the line from the publisher's side, I think this has been fantastic. If I were to, you know, I'm a man of many words, not few words. So I'm going to try and be as, as succinct as possible. I think it's an ethical obligation. I think it's a moral obligation now to involve patients when it comes to publication development. It is, it is super challenging to execute. But again, when we see the outcomes, it's immensely gratifying. So being inclusive, enabling partnership, I feel these are the only ways we can responsibly improve public engagement in science. So for me, I think that's the takeaway. Great. Thank you, Avishak. And Catherine? Well, that was that was great, Avishak. I mean, I, I have to echo that. And I have, Jonathan, I have two points. So I couldn't limit myself to just one. I think the embracing, encouraging companies to have outreach to patients, getting them involved. I mean, I think listening to the patient and ha- having them help determine the gaps in your process is only going to make it better. And and ultimately, it helps meet their needs because that's the, the end game here. And then one thing I have not emphasized enough during our conversation is really about accessibility and open access publishing. I continue to talk about over and over again is really how do we overcome this barrier for them, anyone, to have access to all of this incredible content and research that we spend lots of time and resources in developing. And so I think we cannot underestimate the need to make sure that our content is available to anyone. So those are my parting words. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I I really appreciate having this conversation with both you and Abhishek. I think it's really important in the work that we're doing. Yeah, two really important points there from you, Catherine. So I'm, I'm happy to let you let you get away with uh, listening too. Yeah, thank you both. So it looks like we're just about out of time. I'm sure we could spend far longer on this topic. And it would be fascinating to delve further into those barriers or to speculate on other subjects like what role AI might have in supporting some of these initiatives in the future. For example, using large language models to translate research into plain language, which is already undergoing some experimentation, uh, albeit with much needed caution. But that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Catherine and Avshek, for joining me and sharing your experiences. Uh, I think our listeners will have some great practical tips on how to get started. Thanks for listening to Informed for medical communication professionals. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you will also join us at an upcoming ISMAPU webinar or even consider becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org, that is ismpp.org to learn more. I'm Jonathan Patience. Thank you.